Hello, I'm Sarah Khan and welcome to Backing Brilliant Business, a series by Radio Centre. They're the people helping businesses of all sizes grow with great radio advertising. In this series, I will talk to guests who want to share their own unique expertise and experience to help you with your business. From marketing experts who have reshaped how we see a brand in the marketplace, to entrepreneurs who've started at the bottom and are now at the top of their field. Each episode, we'll look through our guest CV to discover the most rewarding and most challenging aspects of their career so far. And we discover their three key lessons in business, the learnings, advice and practices that they want to share to help you be better at whatever it is you do. In this episode, we're joined by Abadesi Osunsade. Abadesi is the founder and CEO of Hustle Crew, a career advancement community on a mission to make tech more inclusive through talks, training and mentorship. She's the author of Dream Big, Hustle Hard, the millennial woman's guide to success in tech and currently works at Brandwatch as the VP of Global Community and Belonging. Today, she joins us to talk about challenging double standards and harmful narratives and shares three lessons that will help you with your business. So, Abadesi, what I do with all of my guests is we just look through your CV, pick up those real highlights, and I just want you to imagine me as a good-looking version of Lord Sugar, just being a bit nosy. <laughs> Much better looking, come on. <laughs> Thank you. You're the first person to have said that in all the time I've been doing these podcasts. And most people have just laughed, and it's like, all right, thanks. Um, so thank you very much, noted. Um, yeah. And that bit will stay into the podcast. And it's just about, you know, just you telling us about some of the things that have happened to you to get you to where you've got to now. So let's just start with... How did you get, well, actually, you know what? Just talk a little bit about your upbringing and your background. Let's just get an understanding of where you are because you've got a beautiful heritage and I'm sure that heritage has made you the person that you are today. Talk to us about that. Absolutely, yeah. So my parents, you know, came from very different cultures. My dad's from Nigeria, my mom's from the Philippines and they actually met in the Philippines because my dad's work sort of, it took him there. He was an economist at the International Monetary Fund and they met and they fell in love and they moved to America, which is where the International Monetary Fund headquarters are, and started our family. And for me, it was just from day one existing in a multicultural household. That's how it was. You know, we were a Christian family, but my parents had different types of Christianity when they were growing up. And even though there were lots of things that were different, like the music that came from these different countries and the food, there were also a lot of things that were very much the same, like a deep love of family, a deep love of community. And I think it's absolutely that multicultural heritage that made me take diversity for granted I just assumed that everyone was always very comfortable you know dipping in and out of different cultures and different identities so what was your first job after graduating university how did you get into tech Yeah, so my first job after graduating university was actually in journalism, funnily enough. So I didn't go straight into tech. I studied economics at London School of Economics and I applied to a diversity scheme at the Financial Times. So, you know, this was an incredible opportunity for me in a very competitive job market. This was 2009. So, you know, the credit crunch was happening, the recession was happening. And I just saw on our careers page this opportunity, you know, if you are black, any other 
other ethnic minority, please come and apply for an editorial internship at the Financial Times. And I'm so grateful for companies that put those schemes together because it can be so difficult for folks to cut through the noise. The BBC published this amazing study that showed, you know, if you have a foreign sounding name like Abadesio Sensade, you're less likely to be called for interview than if you have an English sounding name like Sarah Jones. So I was really fortunate to end up working at the Financial Times for a few months in this editorial internship. And I think that for me was my first experience of the corporate world. The Financial Times at that time wasn't very diverse. You know, that's why the scheme was in place. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people get their backs up when they hear about a diversity scheme or a program focused on a particular group, you know, focused on mothers returning to work, focused on people with disabilities, focused on people who had free school meals. People get their backs up and go, oh, I, fe I, I fear we're going to be lowering the quality of talent or I fear that we're going to be lowering the bar. And I think it's really interesting, you know, for individuals to just unpack that and go, you know, where is that coming from? Because that to me is signaling that you've made an assumption that someone who had free school meals is stupider than someone who didn't. And what is that based on? Because all the evidence shows that really talent, ability, creativity, genius are, you know, randomly distributed across the population. But opportunities to attend amazing schools and attend prestigious universities are actually tied to the household you were born into and the privileges that your family had. So, you know, it's not really fair for us to continue making this connection that your circumstances of your birth, you know, directly correlate to your talent and your abilities. I think I published like, you know, 34 bylines in a few months at the FT. Like how many young grads achieve that? I was extremely driven and the results proved it. But yeah, so I'm a big, big believer in, in those sorts of experiments. And I think we have to always be willing to try because at the end of the day, it's only real evidence that proves whether something works or not. And I'm much more interested in doing experiments that create either good results or bad results, than sitting around chatting about what could go wrong. Then in 2016, when I'm looking through your CV, your next big moment then is founder and CEO of Hustle Crew. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I think I always knew I wanted to start my own company. As soon as I joined the startup world, I saw just what an incredible opportunity it was. But then also selfishly, I just wanted to be my own boss. And I think a lot of people who are underrepresented in the workplace feel like this because the workplace isn't designed for us. And it sort of feels like we're playing someone else's game. And it's like, I want to play the game that I designed, you know, that's designed for me because then I'm going to enjoy playing it and I'm going to win it. Did you find working for other people sometimes that you had a seat, but it wasn't necessarily at the table? Yeah, I feel you know, like that's what absolutely, makes you all yeah. the time. I mean, literally to the point where sometimes I'd be joining meetings and I was the one in the corner closest to the the tea or coffee <laughs> tea that I could pour. Machine. Yeah, and you know, with the notebook and pen in my hand while all the boys sit around the table laughing, joking and slapping each other on the backs. I mean, that was quite lit that's not even a metaphor. That was literally some of the meetings I was in. So yes, I certainly felt that. And you know, like many women entrepreneurs, you know, the story of my startup is actually like 
a sad story because I had faced exclusion in a job. I had been headhunted into this job. So headhunted out of my amazing job at Amazon into a startup. And the startup just had, unfortunately, a lot of those like cliches of toxic culture. So there weren't that many women, especially not in the senior roles. There weren't that many women of color. There were a bunch of guys. And it felt a lot like a frat house, just in terms of the jokes being made and the behavior that was happening. And I found this very disruptive. You know, I was I was in a sales role, so I had to often be on the phone closing deals. And it was really annoying to be like halfway through a pitch and have a ping pong ball fly off your head because, you know, there was a tournament going on. And every time I tried to challenge the behavior, I was turned into the troublemaker. Because everyone said, you know, no one complained about these things until you showed up. No one had an issue with, you know, the ping pong and the this until you showed up. No one had an issue with the flirtatious behavior until you showed up. And a part of me said, well, it could be that I'm just the first with the courage to say something about it. You know, you don't know that no one else had a problem with it because there are people who've come and left, but I'm still here and I'm trying to talk to you about it. And the circumstances were such that I I eventually quit because it just got to a point where I just felt I wasn't supported. And when I quit, I said, now's the time. Now's the time for me to start my business because I had this real epiphany I joined that workplace as an incredibly accomplished woman. I studied at one of the most prestigious universities in the country. I had an amazing track record of employment experiences. I had the confidence and the courage to boot. And despite all of those things, I found myself feeling isolated, afraid, and unsupported. And I thought, if that's what happens to someone like me, What happens to a woman with less credentials, with less confidence, with less courage, with less of a support network? You know, I could quit because I had family and friends who said, step away and and I'll help you with rent and bills. Like this is not a safe environment for you. You You need to step away now. But there are so many people who don't have that privilege. There are so many people who don't have the ability to step away. So that's when I became committed to doing something about it. So Hustle Crew started as a community for women in tech and anyone else underrepresented in tech. We'd meet every month at the South Bank Center because that was like a free venue space. <laughs> and we would uh, come with our CVs, jobs that we wanted to apply for, and we would help each other out. So we would say, okay, I'm applying for this job at Google. Does anyone know anyone at Google who can refer me? Or someone else would say, ooh, I'm applying for a marketing job, but all of my background is in copywriting. So can someone help me adapt my CV from copywriting into marketing and we would literally just like sit and huddle and collaborate and work together and support each other and that's what we did for about the first few months and then I was invited to join the Prince's Trust Enterprise Program and it was through mentorship at the Prince's Trust Enterprise Program that I realized that there was actually a a business to business angle to this as well. So it was then that I actually started developing training for companies because I appreciated that there are a lot of employers who you know just by design of the company, by, you know, history, they've ended up quite homogenous, but they really want to work with more women or they want to work with more people from the LGBT plus community, but they don't know how to connect with them authentically and they don't have that lived experience in their team. So I committed to then teaching leaders like that, teams like that, like skills and tools and frameworks that would help them optimize for inclusion. So did um, Hustle Crew become then a training business for big corporations or for any corporation or for any business that wanted a diversity plan? 
exactly that's like our main source of revenue and we still have a huge community but we support our community through free resources so i have my podcast techish we have a free weekly newsletter we run careers coaching events mentorship programs now that we have support from businesses like resident advisor all plans bloom and wild all these incredible companies who've trained their workforces through hustle crew we have the funds to support young professionals from underrepresented backgrounds for free I'm really proud of this podcast by Radio Centre because, you know, for me to have this and here, we've got so much diversity on this podcast. We've got people from all different backgrounds sharing their experiences. And this is why it's lovely to be part of this because these journeys will be relating to our audience. So many different people have their radio on at home, don't they? They're listening in <laughs> yes. their own little environments. And when Definitely. you hear a voice on an experience and you relate to it is so powerful it makes you respect the station that you're listening to and be appreciative and it makes you feel my goodness change is happening we're hearing different voices we're seeing different people there's more talent than just the few that we see on the tv and i think it's so empowering and powerful so it's a real pleasure to have you and your voice and your experiences today we're going to talk about your theme that you've chosen for this podcast challenging double standards and harmful narratives so let's talk about that then what do you mean by challenging double standards and harmful narratives so a really good example of a double standard is the fact that a lot of research by organizations like leanin.org and mckinsey's women in the workplace study shows us that when it comes to pay rises and promotions men are often judged on their potential and women are judged on their past performance so like, you know, just to clarify that, if I were to come and ask for a pay rise right now or ask for a promotion, people would say, oh, well, let's look at what the last six months have looked like for you. Let's look at what the last 12 months have looked like and let's look at what you've achieved. But if a male peer were to step up and say, hey, I'm ready for a promotion, I'm ready for a pay rise, I'm ready to achieve great things, people would judge them based on what they're projecting about the future and go, you seem like you are ready. All right, Brad, here you go. So that's just one example of a double standard that I think we as a society really need to be ready to keep talking about and keep challenging in the moment because you know here in the UK we report on gender pay gaps it's legislation we have to do that if you're a company of more than 300 people you have to report your gender pay gap every year and what we're finding is ever since this law came into place gender pay gaps aren't really getting narrower in some cases they're actually getting wider and I think one of the reasons why is because you know we need to unpack why do those pay gaps exist in the first place this podcast is brought to you by Radio Centre who are helping businesses across the UK grow with radio advertising head to radiocentre.org forward slash business to discover how radio can boost your company's performance find out how the radio process works Hear from businesses who found success with audio advertising, access free training and even search for and be linked with stations in your area. You can find out all that and more at radiocentre.org forward slash business. So following on from your theme of challenging double standards and harmful narratives, your lesson number one is be your biggest fan and self-promoter. Now, before you start that, let me tell you, I wrote a book called Push for Success because in Britain, if you are a woman and you are pushy and push for me, the acronym stood for be proactive, 
understand yourself, sell yourself and have high standards. I can honestly tell you that being confident, being gobby as they call it, but it means just I've got an opinion and actually you have got to be your biggest fan and you've got to be your self-promoter and the right people will come your way. How do you do that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I love that example. So there's a comedian, Sarah Cooper, and she has a hilarious book called How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings. And it's very tongue-in-cheek, full of illustrations, but in the book, she, you know, mirrors the behavior of men and women in the workplace. So, you know, there's one scenario where the woman goes, I'm the right person for this job. And the boss goes, God, what a bitch, right? And then there's a man going, I'm the right person for this job. And the boss goes, he's such a team player. Yeah. And yeah. that, again, is that double standard at play where, you know, men are rewarded for being assertive in the times where I have not expressed my desires, not said what I want, not pushed for myself. I've always ended up feeling really miserable about it. I've ended up regretting it. And I've been really upset to see the people who had the courage to promote themselves and have the courage to ask what they want, get promoted ahead of me or rise up ahead of me, get opportunities that I wanted, but was too afraid to ask for. So that's when I just made this decision to switch gears. And I was like, I'm just going to be like the people who are achieving the things that I want to achieve. And the things that those people did were to promote themselves and document their achievements and talk about their achievements on LinkedIn and social media. There are people that wrote personal blogs about what they'd achieved over the last 12 months and what they looked forward to achieving over the next 12 months. These were people who had such a loving relationship for themselves, a healthy sized ego, and were promoting themselves. And ever since I started being more like that, believe it or not, I've been more successful. So it just seems to be a playbook that works in this version of reality. So I'm just sharing it. <laughs> so your second lesson then is experts get it wrong too. What is that about? This sounds really <laughs> fascinating. I think a lot of us put a lot of weight on the opinion of experts. We put a lot of weight on the opinion of people who've been in the industry for a long time, people who have achieved great things. But time is always changing. And what it took to succeed in business 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago, will not guarantee you success today. And similarly, what got someone to a CEO position 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, is not necessarily what will get you into a CEO position today. Well, do you know, honestly, it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you. You're young, you're smart, you're passionate, just fabulous to hear your energy. And I know so many people will be motivated and will take so many valuable lessons away from you. My final thing to you is, and I say this of all my guests, you've given us three messages, you've given us so much to think about. But let's say somebody turns on the radio and they hear a jingle. And that jingle is going to stay in their head and it's going to make them think about some of the things that you've said. I would like you to tell me what that jingle would be. I'd like you to sing it in whatever language you want or whatever whatever sort of genre okay. of music. I'd like you to tell me that jingle so that we leave thinking and just remembering that. Okay. So I think my theme would probably be around feedback because feedback is so important for every business owner. You have to be willing to listen to feedback from your customers. But for many of us, feedback makes us very defensive because our businesses are our babies and we don't like to hear people like saying negative things. So I guess my jingle would be something like an old school radio jingle, something like, don't get upset when you're getting feedback, be grateful for it instead. <laughs> 
God, I tell you what, of the league tables of jingles I've had on this podcast, that is number one. I oh, love it. You. Not only did you sing it, but it rhymed as well. I love it. Can you just repeat it one more time, please? Um, <laughs> Can you remember it? Don't, yes. <laughs> don't get upset when you're getting feedback. Be grateful instead. <laughs> I love it. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time. Honour and a privilege. You are one to watch and keep hustling. Yay, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Well, that's been the Backing Brilliant Business podcast with me, Syra Khan. And I really hope you've enjoyed the many words of wisdom that came from our chat. There'll be more amazing guests to come in the series with plenty of business lessons to be learned. So please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow Radio Centre across all of their socials on Instagram at Radio Centre underscore UK and on Twitter at Radio Centre. The Backing Brilliant Business series was produced by Audio Always for Radio Centre and co-created by Eardrum. Visit radiocentre.org forward slash business for more information.